Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. I do have to warn you, though, that uh, this is going to be an extra, extra awful episode to listen to. Do not, in any way or form, listen to it with your kids, or uh, if you are disturbed by depictions of truly horrific stuff, then, um, then please, maybe this one's not for you, because, uh, you know... I, uh, I was, I was noticed, notified that, um, an Italian newspaper, La Repubblica, had acquired, had acquired, uh, some materials from the investigation file that prompted the International Criminal Court in The Hague to issue the arrest warrant for Putin. And, um, they had access to the reports collected by the Italian policemen who coordinated by their national anti-mafia directorate and, and Eurojust and whatever, who, who worked to gather those materials. So this is the stuff by, by them. And I read their materials and then I looked at um, the United Nations report and it was all weird. Because, you know, before we get into very serious stuff... Um, this this is from the report of the United Nations. The report about how uh, war crimes are doing in, what Russia is doing in Ukraine. Quote. The commission has found that some Russian Federation soldiers committed crimes of sexual and gender-based violence. These acts amounted to different types of violations of rights, including sexual violence, torture, and cruel and inhuman treatment. There are examples of cases where relatives were forced to witness the crimes. In the cases we have investigated, the age of the victims of sexual and gender-based violence ranged from 4 to 82 years. The Commission has documented cases in which children have been raped, tortured, and unlawfully confined. Children have also been killed and injured in indiscriminate attacks with explosive weapons. And the bit stuff like that goes on. Yeah, so, um, if you're not really ready to listen... About some reports which people have told Italian investigators and which are available in in the whole United Nations report and everything. Uh, yeah, please, please switch away. Just know that this is going to be horrific. It was pretty hard for me to make this episode since, uh, yeah, it's one thing to learn about a person's tragedy. Another thing is reading a meticulously, slowly explained in detail with eyewitness accounts and 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 just in general accounts something that turns uh turns human tragedy into true existential horror so this isn't a happy episode i just i just kind of wanted to explain what is underneath this whole normally quite sanitized attitude what do war crimes actually mean what do they do and what's going on there so, yeah, please uh, consider this your final warning. I've been talking for three and a half minutes, and uh, by now you should have probably understood if you want to listen to the episode or not. And I apologize for those of you, you know, who are about to leave, but it is what it is. I'd rather, in this case, I'd rather just actually give out trigger warnings before uh, I lose you as a listener forever. So, you know. Okay. So... Uh, Hi, I suppose my uh, about 15% or maybe 20% remaining listeners 
this is going to be nasty. But I think that it will be very useful since, again, I want to explain to you so that you understand and maybe feel somewhere inside what do Russian war crimes actually mean. Because these are all people's stories. And also because, for other reasons, we as a society are totally okay when talking about deaths and murdered people. But there are some things which I find even more so, even more horrific than that. First of all, what really caused me some surprise is the, the sheer volume, uh, the sheer amount of the whole thing. In, in that Italian newspaper's report about their child investigation, it was concluded that it'll be about six to seven volumes of, of stuff that had just happened just recently anyways. They spoke to people in Kherson and everywhere and turns out this was somewhat like normalized at one point. For example, that is the story of of Luba from from the Kherson district and and uh, she was living with her ill mother who couldn't get out of bed. And according to her, well, we have no reason to doubt this, three Russian servicemen entered their apartment to take all the food out of the house. One Russian remained in the apartment. Then, uh, as noticed and described, he raped Luba for more than a week and then, quote, confessed his great love and said he wanted to send her away from the war. Luba refused, saying she would not leave her mother. Then, the Russian soldier solved the problem by literally just shooting the mother in front of her daughter. Uh, currently, Luba is apparently in a rehabilitation center, and I don't blame her. It's that kind of awfulness that really happens. Those, those studies are all throughout the war. For example, the one about 19-year-old Katerin. She's now evacuated from Mariupol to Warsaw. Katerin's boyfriend left for work abroad just before Russia's full-scale invasion, so she lived with his family. The girl and other civilians were hiding in the basement for the first weeks. On March 26th, two Chechen fighters entered the shelter. The military said they were checking the documents. Katrin remembers that the Russian soldiers wore balaclavas, had weapons and looked drunk. One of the occupants drew attention to Katerina. He put his hand on her cheek and asked her name. The soldier told her to go upstairs for an examination. The girl shed, said she was afraid to go out, but the criminal led her to an empty apartment on the second floor. There, the man raped Katerina. When she begged on her knees to let her go, the occupier threatened to kill her. Katrin's friend, 38-year-old Artyom, an employee of the Azov Stahl plant, well, used to be, that is, confirmed her story, and uh, apparently, well, there were other men there, everyone's just too afraid. This is just... This is what we um, are dealing with here. This is pure evil. And then... There is there is this story about Anna, who 
is from nearby Kiev. And she reports that on 7th of March, she had been at home with her husband when a foreign soldier barged in. At gunpoint, he took me to a house nearby. He ordered me, take your clothes off or I'll shoot you. He, he kept threatening to kill me if I didn't do as he said. Then he started raping me. Anna described her attacker as a young, thin Chechen fighter allied with, with Russia. While he was raping me, four more soldiers entered. I thought that I was done for, but they took him away and never saw him again. Anna went back home and found her husband. He had been shot in the abdomen. He had tried to run after me to save me, but he was hit by a round of bullets, she said. Interestingly enough, yeah, this hits home, right? But she speaks about it quite plainly because, you know, there is a point where, um, where you just simply cannot absorb more pain, right? And what stunned me is that in many of these cases, because these are at least shorter ones and, and uh, I'm not going to go into detail, but there's a lot of cases about uh, rapes being done extremely violently so that... Uh, and I quote here, no more Ukrainians could come out of your vaginas. Mass rapes, gang rapes with murders afterwards, like I mentioned with the mother. People being forced to watch, people taking Viagra pills and stuff just to rape some, some more. Then to do it extra violently as well. Yeah, and... um. What really struck me as the worst possible thing is that in the, in the Kherson hospital, they had the worst of it since, you know, Russia had been there for a long time. And uh, and basically four to eight-year-old kids with clearly uh, sexual traumas caused to them by violence were sadly quite a usual sight in the hospital. Because, you know... Same Kherson where the colonel's son shot other guy, which I posted about. And what's even more sad is that amongst these, there are there have been many kids who have been raped and tortured so hard that due to the lack of ability, yeah, there was nothing that could be done and the the end result was lethal, so to say. It's just... Moving on to slightly, slightly less terrible, but still very terrible things, is another report that has been going around. There's a in-depth description of... Um, about 25 girls and women aged 14 to 24 who were systematically raped during the occupation of Bucha in the basement of one house. Nine of them are pregnant right now, and when I say systematically, I mean with schedules and everything. And I quote, Russian soldiers told them they would rape them to the point where they wouldn't want sexual contact with any man to prevent them from having Ukrainian children. And apparently, according to Collins and everything, a 25-year-old woman had called in at one point, and there's an audio file there, to tell her, to, to, to tell the agency where you report this, that her 16-year-old sister was raped in the street in front of her. She said, you know, that people were screaming at her, people who raped her, and apparently 
the yells went like, this will happen to every, every Nazi prostitute. This is quite... quite insane. This is just beyond warfare, because war isn't pretty, war isn't nice, and there are evidences, and everything's just terrible. This is what's behind it. Not because he didn't give, like, I don't know, enough food and for people in, in some sort of selection camp or whatever. These are war crimes of massive proportions, as Ukrainian ambassador to the United States talked about this. And, yeah, obviously they would be massive because of all the Wagner Group people and everyone who's, who's there and, and all the people around. It's just that, once again, mainstream media can't really go out and report the worst in detail as the, the courts say it, but trust me on this one. The judges see it in full extreme detail and description, even more so than I told you, but, um, yeah strike me as odd. I, I mean, when I went to Hague for a tour, I asked those people how do they deal with this stuff, and yeah, people in the Hague have their own psychotherapist, everyone does, so understand why now. It just kind of seemed interesting that these people in the Hague and everywhere else, you know, they, they get to see reality, but it's impolite or something to describe what's really going on in a way. To the wilder society, the, the wider one, you know. It is horrific. It's cruel and inhuman, but... But unless you do some explanation and some digging, then... Uh, yeah. I mean, Putin's supporters are already, like, yelling about how all of this is made up and everything. The worst part is that um, recently... Recently they... Uh, Try to claim that, oh no, Bucha was an inside job. It was the evil Ukrainian Banderas who then apparently had come into Bucha and then they had shot the pro-Russian supporters. That would be, you know, somewhat legit because they believe that everything's staged up. Unless I was in Bucha myself and unless I've lost people there, literally, personally. And, you know, after, after learning about this and then Going there personally, there are a lot of people who are just like, no, no, you must be lying all the time. Sometimes I'm just, sometimes I'm just glad that I do this in audio format. Otherwise, yeah. But you know, I, I still, I still don't know. After this, how can how can everything just go on as normal? And although Mr. Strapes was a bit more aggressive in the last episode than I wanted to, and side note, you, you have to please forgive me because there are that, there aren't that many intelligent and interesting people in Latvia who would speak fluent English, whom I could also get easily on the show. So my pool is limited. And although some of you disliked him, some of you liked him. Well, he was certainly polarizing, but just that, yeah, there are many people whom I'd like to get on the show, more balanced, maybe. Uh, wanting to speak about something else, whom I just can't because uh, of the language issues. But not for another story. But he said that, yeah, send those F-16s and everything. Because, because yeah, I don't know. This this is why the prison culture 
is so dominant there. This is the interesting part because what I noticed also was that Russian opposition journalists, even kind of the liberal people, you know, they are oftentimes angry and, and stating that the United States don't do anything because the United States don't play by Russia's rules. You know, Russia shoots down the drone, does something stupid, and and then the United States just right down the drone and don't do stupid, crazy, aggressive things that make them look like five-year-olds or evil bastards, you know. And that their thing is in their heads, even in opposition journalists, and that that's why a lot of them think that uh, you people in the West are weak. They very much try and mistake politeness for weakness oftentimes. But this, this is just, you know, Rapes and violence, and this is what you get when you send in, send in criminals from straight from prisons and mass to war zone, and actively encourage them. I, at this point, we're just gonna have to do a deputinization, like, like back when, after World War Two. And I sincerely hope that. The news will get a bit better, but cruel and inhuman treatment for the people's stories, which are tons of it. So just so you knew, sometimes when when someone's trying to downplay Russian war crimes to you, stating that you know everyone does this, well now that you know now now you know exactly what they're doing. And that's besides all the shootings and torture and deportations. This is. This is just a subsection of, of all this. This is truly scary. And even in episodes like this one, always remember, happiness is mandatory.